Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene. Sponsored by Beer Passport, the pocket-sized key to London's amazing craft beer scene. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters Phantom Brewing Co, Bayonet Brewing Co, Dolphin Brewery, The Paper Mill Micropub, Berkshire Beer Box, The Small Batch Brewing Co, Belgium and Blues Southampton, Doug Thayer, Robert Baker, Aid Bardi, The Brew Brothers, Paul Whelan, Bettina Cassidy, Forks Brewery, Claire Costa, James Cox, Craig Hatton, Steve Pratt, James Moss and John Mead. This Week in Craft Beer members can now get exclusive discounts and savings at some of the top UK craft breweries. If you're interested in saving money or simply want to help support us, then please visit our website at www.thisweekincraft.beer for more information and to join at just £1.99 per month. We hope you won't, but of course you can cancel this at any time. So, I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast today Ben from Brewing, based in North London. Pressure Drop started life in 2012 in a Hackney Garden shed and have been on a journey of pale fire, railway arches and daft forklift jokes, winding their way to their current home in Tottenham, which is where we're recording today. Pressure Drop has become known for juicy New England style beers, but they also love to produce everything from crisp lagers to rich and luxurious stouts. As long as it tastes good, they'll give it a go. Ben, please introduce yourself and tell us about your beer journey, which led you to launching Pressure Drop. Hi Rob, yeah, my name's Ben. Yeah, Pressure Drop's 10 years old this year, so uh, thanks for coming up. It was a good time to kind of reflect on, you know, the journey, like you said. Um, yeah, we started in that summer of 2012, which was uh, London Olympics. Things oh, were, yeah, of course. The, the world was looking at a very different <laughs> place back then, wasn't it? But, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, so I, I, my previous background, I was a civil engineer, construction right. engineer, and I used to, I fortunate to work in Australia and West Africa and places like that on, nice. on big projects. So mm-hmm. um, I really enjoyed that. It was great fun, but it was time to kind of settle down a little bit, you know, not be away from friends and family quite so much. Right. So uh, came back to London that year. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to go straight into a, another project, so I, I, I can't, I'll spend that summer, you know, pottering around a little bit. And we lived in, uh, my partner, she works in TV and video, so oh, she, right. she wanted to be in London, so we mm-hmm. moved to London yep. the year before that. Uh, we found ourselves in East London, and there was this kind of, very nascent craft beer scene kicking right. off you know it was uh it seemed like a very fun mm-hmm. exciting time for Absolutely. that kind of thing so um i thought oh, let's go and see what a brewery looks like go, go and work in a brewery for a bit and uh, uh went to what became infamous as london fields brewery right yep. um and there was a lot of people there working away in this kind of what you know this kind of boom time yes and i learned all about how breweries work and mm-hmm. Or how they maybe they shouldn't work. <laughs> at the time, it was how they work. Sure. And, uh, and I met another guy there, Graham. He was doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, we got on pretty well, and we started brewing in his shed. He lived in. He had a garden shed in Stoke Newington, uh, right. which is where we made our first batches of mm. beer that, in that <laughs> summer. You know, we'd do two or three, two or three a week. So we we weren't really home brewers as such. We were kind of, you know, I think we knew, even though it didn't have an explicit plan, we knew that making beer and seeing what people thought about it and you had some you kind of had some professional training and exposure and then li- then, yeah. then put that to bear on a home yeah. brew kit basically yeah. there was no grand yeah. plan to you know open a brewery but i think 
all of us were wondering if it was possible, right. something that we could do. You know. So just just to sort of set a baseline. So 2012, who else was in London already? Camden were, were already. Yeah, in I, I can remember because I remember getting a list of breweries that I'd emailed. You know, it was it was, yeah, it was Camden Colonel, obviously yep. um, East London Brewing Company, right? London Fields. Yeah. Um, Brew by numbers started then, or just about. No, they're not quite. They were about the same as us. They were yeah. in that kind of 2013 class I think you know along with kind of five points mm-hmm. and partisan and people like that there right. was definitely a big boom at the same time we started yeah. you know there, I think there was kind of 40 openings that year was there really wow like in, in the London area yeah oh. just in the London area extraordinary yeah so yeah they were brilliant times you know yeah so we'd started making beer 50 litre kit in yep. the shed in the summer everything's great you know we're putting hand stamped labels on these mm. on these amber bottles and taking them around to people and seeing what they think right you know, and then somebody said, "Oh, I'll buy them off you." You know, <laughs> but, <laughs> now you're talking. <laughs> put them in my put them in my bottle shop, and uh, we were like, "Oh, really? Okay, right, great." Uh, you know, better make some more. Yeah. Um, and it got to winter that year, um, so there's three of us at this point: myself, yep. Graham, and Sam. Yeah. Uh, and it got to winter in the garden, and it was getting pretty cold to be kind of you know, <laughs> rinsing out buckets in the in the with a hose pipe. Yeah. So we found a little temporary space in Stoke Newington, not far from, from Graham's place, where we were able to rent a space there. It's kind right. of live work studios, you know, there was all sorts of japes as, as we kind of yeah. s- spilt beer under the wall and it turned up in somebody's flat, you know, next, <laughs> on the other side of the wall. You Love know. it. Um, yeah, opposite the Jolly Butchers, okay. which at the time was one of the top beer places in London. Yep. So we used to spend a lot of time in there as Andy. well. Andy, yeah. What beer was you brewing at that stage? Any well, the any first, styles the first yeah. beers we probably made consistently and sold was was what became Wu Gang Chops a Tree, a Bay Herb Hefeweizen. Would <laughs> 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 you think it? Yeah, yeah. That wow. beer, that beer just came straight out the first first iteration. It was great, you know. Yeah, it was exactly what we yeah. wanted, and uh, we still make that now. You know, yeah. we're not as not as regularly as that, but no. we're still, you know, it's still a, an example of a experimental beer that we yeah. do and enjoy seeing what we can do with beers yeah maybe that maybe there's less of that happening now but you know at the time there were no there were no rules you know no. we could make anything we'd made smoked oolong tea <laughs> dunkelweiss you know things like that um that sounds quite good actually to be honest with you. yeah it was a that was a, a, a famous beer i remember will hawks talking about that in his mm. kind of he'd come across that at some point had no idea at that time presumably that we, it was three guys with a with a homebrew kit and a no. shed but um so it's getting to the winter. We've got the space. We're yep. we're, we're doing we're up, upscaling a bit now. We're still doing fifty litre batches. Yeah, you know, but we're brewing two or three of those a, a day, probably hmm. double batching them and making our own, all our own little conical tanks and stuff. You right. Know. Still a very unprofessional kind of, <laughs> you know, slightly shonky outfit, but yeah, great fun, great fun, and um, yeah, and enjoying the scene and meeting more people and hanging out at the Cock Tavern. And we met a guy, yeah. met a guy there called Ed who went on to um, start Square Root Soda Company. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the time, he was an ex-redemption brewer, and right. he invited us down to the basement of the Cock Tavern, and we brewed beer there with him, on, and that was our first time brewing on a big kit, well, oh. a five-barrel kit. Nice. You know. He was really helpful. Yeah, So and then, you know, we thought, oh, right, it's time to get serious now. We need to buy a proper kit. You know? Right. And we, so we pulled up some savings, not, not a lot of money, in quite modest amounts, really, but... Bought ourselves a five-barrel kit and it found a railway arch in Hackney, right, just over from the Cock Tavern. That's probably had a large part to do with it. Yeah, uh, moved in there in the spring of 2013. And so, which, know, which, sorry to interrupt you, which people will listen to this will know as the experiment. Um, you know, yeah, that R.I.P. Experiment. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. Definitely. Yeah, and at the time, those that run of arches, if anyone's been up there, 
might remember it as all kind of loads of backstreet garages and a very kind of like slightly dodgy street you know i can imagine yeah um, but it's quite great, gentrified these days yeah, compared to but that, a great yeah. neighborhood you know yeah. the, the, the turkish guys next door to us used to loan us all the tools we'd and everything was covered in grease you know and they were they would always like you know ask they would only drink the strong beers you know and uh, yeah a good community though um yeah and then it became very gentrified as we yeah as as we know now but um so yeah we're and then that brewery as most breweries at that point just kind of got expanded as much as we could we put more and more tanks in there yep you know it became very claustrophobic yeah i mean it's not it's a it's a, not a big. I mean, it's 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 sort of quite low as well, isn't it? It's, you yeah. know, by yeah. arch standards, it's, yeah. so you've got not much headroom to work with. Um, yeah, so it became very jumbled in there, and you know, it was a very busy place, and it was great times, and, and we enjoyed it, of course. But yeah. we realised we needed to make the next step up, and that was in 2017. We moved up here okay. in, in Tottenham. Yeah, uh, we had some support from Harringay Council, who were encouraging businesses to move up here as well, nice. which, yeah. was gr- which was mm-hmm. good. Yeah, and we put in a 20-barrel kit. Yeah, up here we run eight tanks, eight How many square now. foot you got here? Sorry, how many square foot do you have? Square here? foot. This is five thousand. Okay, five mm-hmm. and a half thousand. Right. I think. Yeah, yeah, five and a half thousand. Yeah. So we've been up here six years now, which has absolutely flown by. Yeah. Um, and, and this was before a lot of the construction that you know we can see behind and you know, the other side of the, of the railway yeah, lines had started. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's definitely this area is changing massively. Yeah, there must be you know, thousands of new new builds, flats here now. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. you know, these are all potential customers for, yeah, for your tap room, you definitely. know, obviously yeah. quite a lot of students, but also quite a lot of probably fairly well-to-do commuters that, you know, just you know, yeah. locating next to the train station. So. Yeah, we definitely get people popping in for a, for a beer on a Saturday afternoon at the tap room. And nice. In the summer when we have a Friday night, um, we open on Friday nights as well, we get people who work around here popping yep. in on their way home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, trying to find, you know, it's kind of pressure on sites in London to be housing and to be developed into housing is is great in that aspect but in another aspect it took us two years to find this site because did it yeah because anyone who's on a industrial class owning a plot like that is preferring to sell it as a development opportunity you know so it's right very very hard to find anywhere that will give you a long-term lease yeah if you can find that site at all yeah so it took us a long time to find this place and we managed to get a a 10-year lease on it okay but and it's kind of fortunate that we are, you know, very close to Tottenham House Station. Yep. We're not really that far from, you know, it could be into King's Cross in ten minutes. Yeah. But at the time, we were looking at places much further out, just because we were so limited in our yep. choice, really. You know, so we we I feel very lucky that we managed to secure this site because we could have ended up much further out of London, and, sure. and I think we might have lost a bit of connection with, yeah, cut direct customers and also the, the brewing communities around here. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. So yeah, we're we're happy here. We like it here. Good, excellent. So that does that quite neatly brings us into talking about the brewing community around here, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> I couldn't help noticing that we are more or less across the road from um, from Beaver Town, Heineken Town, as I sometimes refer to them. But uh, they were here before you, I guess. Or yep, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, what um, I guess I've got a few thoughts about <laughs> Beaver Town, which people have heard this podcast before will will be familiar with. But I, I'm just curious to to get your sense. I think mainly of of having them as a neighbour and you know how much of a shock it was when they sold and and perhaps your reflections on how that's turned out you know good bad for pressure drop and good bad for the industry well, that, those are that's a sort of a quite a broad range of questions there so pick at that as you choose <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's an interesting one isn't it you know there's a we still have regular chats with people in the industry about beaver town you know because yeah. now, now 
you know, neck oil is uh, everywhere. Yeah, you know, it's on every, in every pub. And, nearly. you know, it's really yeah. well branded and you know, a lot of people don't even know it's a Heineken beer. No. You know, and, why, you know, they wouldn't be expected to. But no. So, yeah, there's a, you know, there's definitely a like, ah, oh, you know, Heineken are making it quite hard, you know. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's what they do, right? They're, of course they do, yeah. They're, they're, they're very, they, well, they very well run business yeah. producing macro beers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I don't, you know, that's the situation. It was interesting to see the sellout from, from our point of view. You know, literally we can see them through the window here, yeah. you know, and the rate of change in that business just from people leaving and Fucking the, yeah. the changeover in kind of staff and, you know, how that affected people who we know who worked there right you know I, I think they probably I don't want to speak for them but I think they remember it quite fondly as, oh I'm sure as a, they as did an yeah. amazing business yeah. and of course it was you know and we were we went to the extravaganza before yeah. the sellout and um, it, and it was I was chatting to somebody about this only this week you know that was it seems like a real high point for kind of I think yeah craft it, beer it was a moment in time wasn't it when when everything was so exciting and so high yeah. growth and yeah. you know it was I, I, I wasn't there and sadly I, I very much regret that I wasn't but I'd like to have been um, I've heard very many people talk fondly about that event yeah. um, I suppose looking back at it it was because they were so well regarded um, and because they were running events like the extravaganza it was so much more of a shock wasn't it that, that, that they sold and uh, it seemed like British craft beer. But they had a bit of a we had a bit of a flag bearer in Beavertown. Yeah, they were all over the world. They were, you know, famous in the states. They were able they to were, bring in you know very the, significant guests, top guys yeah. over yeah. here. You know, and it seemed like, you know, we can all get in behind this. Yeah, this is going to be great for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and to kind of lose that was uh, disappointing. I guess frustrating yeah. for for the. For us, you know, we were like, oh, we're, we're, we're not as uh, naturally flamboyant as Logan, so I'm not sure we can pull off pull off the same trick, you know. And uh, yeah, we're we're much more kind of reserved and and yeah. kind of quiet about what we do. But um, but to see it to see it in action, to see the the, the company he built up and the and the, like you say, the events they put mm. on and the beers they produced were excellent, yeah. you know. And the the people that went on to do other things from that, you know, I think we can only see it as a as a great moment in in craft beer and yeah. particularly in London as well you know they started the same year as us they were 2013 as yes well. yeah so you know I, look, I I remember those years fondly but and I don't I don't think anyone begrudges anyone making it success no, in a company and, you shouldn't and, and, and I always and everyone, everyone's got a you know everyone comes and makes an offer on your business like that you can't <clears> say you wouldn't accept that this is terrifyingly hard work I know you know having been doing this podcast for three and a half years I know how hard it is sitting yeah. on your side of the table um, so I absolutely respect um, any any business owner's right to sell their business um, at any time, you know, because they put yeah. blood, sweat, and tears into building it. So I don't think anybody can can criticise them for that. You might be disappointed, yeah. um, but I think the thing that scared me the most was it, that you know. So we had obviously Beaver Town, but also uh, Magic Rock, who were you know almost of a similar stature in in the, in the north of England. Um, and you know one or two other you know it's still significant for pure is, is would be another one obviously to mention Brixton maybe not so significant Camden less significant still in my my sort of perspective on the world but um, you know that was a lot of companies selling within a relatively short space of time not not Camden they sold quite a bit earlier but you know it was terrifying it seemed it seemed distinctly possible to me at that time that this entire industry was going to sell out you know, and it was only a matter of time before before you sold and Cloudport to sold and Colonel. And, you know, you list the names that were around at that time. Mm. It seemed, it seemed like you couldn't sort of. I was almost scared to to look at the beer news on my computer. You know, in the morning to see who the next big name had sold. You know, and so, mm. thank goodness that didn't happen. 
and so a lot of my initial sort of vitriol, I suppose, about about that sale has, has kind of waned and dwindled now that luckily we've still got a fabulous independent craft beer scene, better than it's ever been, actually, I think, in the UK. Mm. In terms of the number of brewers brewing amazing beers, it has to be better than it's ever been right now, today. Um, and so, you know, all of that sort of macro hoovering up of these names didn't happen. And in fact, you know, arguably, what we're looking at across the road there is maybe the only success story amongst them all. You know, because Magic Rock was obviously, you know, was a, a disaster and that's been sold back into, you know, private ownership and mm. you know, for pure, whatever. You know, they, 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 all of those names are, were failures, weren't they, from the macro perspective? And, and, you know, I guess perhaps we should you know, grudgingly respect Heineken for having turned Beavertown into a success. Um, but it's sad. Um, it was sad. I, you know, I, I would still occasionally drink a, you know, I still do drink, occasionally drink a Beavertown beer when I'm, you know, I'm in a pub and there's nothing better than that to be drunk then then you know i'm not too proud to drink a neck oil or whatever and you know it's not a very good beer of course is it but you know it's, <laughs> yeah. it's better than uh, it's better than you know probably uh, certainly better than a lager or, or better than a, a a mediocre bitter if there's a decent cast bitter to be had i would drink that in preference probably to a neck oil but i would yeah. you know i'd still order neck oil several times a year um, oh yeah, yeah yeah we still i mean we still we still work with the, the guys who run the production hmm. at this site now obviously we you know we we still help each other out and yeah we have the we share the same uh, farmer who collects our spent grain, you know. So we go and yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah. And and so there's still a there's still a working relationship there with these. Yeah, guys. you still borrow bags of hops. Yeah, 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 yeah. in either direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, run out of gas quick. Go yeah, and grab some gas. You know. Nice. So we still have that, and you know, obviously the, those guys are working to a very different target now. You know, they're yeah. all about getting the volume out there, and and that place still amazes me that they've built this huge brewery and they've still got this other one here still at full capacity as well yeah, you know that's, so that's, yeah that's, i think that's, that's, a, that's quite surprising that's isn't quite it? telling yeah you know, the demand for their beer is still so high but they you know they and they the guys come over and, and we give them some beers from ours and they're always very excited to you know drink a drink an ipa Pro- or, drink or a something, proper beer, yeah. something, more, <laughs> something more exciting yeah. than, they're, than they're brewing at the moment you know and they're, they're kind of sheepishly offering us some some cans that they've got, you yeah. Know, but um, do they make any interesting small batch beers now? Or uh, they really? are doing a few yeah. more at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, nothing t- in kind of that they used to do. Not in no. the, not in those styles, you know. Nothing, nothing outrageous. But yeah, they are doing a few more things. I think they've done mm. some for Christmas actually. Okay. But yeah. um, yeah, what well, they, they serve at? I, I, you know, I, I already confess that I'm an Arsenal fan, so I obviously don't go to Tottenham. <laughs> but, but what what do they serve in the in the bar at the stadium? Is, is that just sure, Nicole and? Yeah, yeah, I imagine it is. Yeah, I don't know, but they uh, they still have a fully operational brewery in there. Yeah, and two full time brewers, you know, okay. so, which I'd forgotten about until mm. someone reminded me last week. So, yeah, that's I mean that's a good. In the in the in the way that it's kind of craft beer moving into kind of mainstream of sport, is, sporting yeah. arenas, you yeah, know, it, right. It's not really really independent, but well, but that's the, that's the thing. The, the other thing that kind of not, not troubles me about the Beavertown thing, but you know, I, I feel that there maybe is a slight ceiling to what you can do as an independent brewer, yeah, in the UK, and I don't think that's probably because of a lack of distribution opportunities. Yeah, you know, these guys, these big. Brewers have the pubs locked down, yeah. you know, and they. It's quite hard to build a, a bigger customer network of independent bars yes. that are able to take small brewers. Absolutely, beer, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I half, I don't know, but I half suspect that the Beaver Town thing was going to have to sell out at some point, just because there's not a big enough market possibly for, for a truly independent beer. You know? Yeah. I don't feel like we have a, what happens in the states where you can get 
what are, what are, would be massive breweries compared to us. Yeah, they, 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 they just aren't the networks of, of pub chains in the same way they are yeah. here in the US. Yeah. Are they? You know, there's there's restaurant chains, but they're not. It's not the same, really. Yeah. You know? It's hard to expand that market. Yeah, over here, and it's hard to say whether that is just something to do with how our economy's structured, or whether that's been through the last three or four years of you know turmoil. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was kind of wandering around East London and there are kind of green shoots of slightly more pubs opening up now or yeah. kind of truly independent pubs I think mm-hmm. people are starting to feel a little bit more confident in doing that yeah. you know um, and we've got some, some accounts recently new accounts which are really encouraging in that they do only stock independently owned well, that's high quality beer you know? I mean the number of pubs is still dwindling but but new openings are obviously all going to be at the top end of, of the spectrum of, of, of what you'd hope a pub would be. That's just, you know, yeah. naturally enough, if you're, yeah. you know, if you've got the money and the, and the business plan to put together to open the pub, you're not going to open some crappy old, uh, you know, you, you're, you're going to have a good choice of beer because you know that that's what brings in the high-end clientele. Those are the beers that you can sell at premium prices. And so, you know, yeah. I guess the new openings are the, are the sort of the, the hope, aren't they, of the, they are. of, yeah. of the yeah. future. And, and they, yeah, they, they continue to do well and yeah. kind of these costs of living pressures ease a bit over the next year, hopefully. But, uh, it doesn't look too great, but we'll, no. we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, there are kind of you know, it feels like we we maybe can have another stab at it in the next next five or ten years and try, yes. and try and build it back to where it was pre all those sellouts, like you said, you know, yeah. where, there, where there was a really vibrant, you know, busy scene. You know. I feel like I, I came here to talk about pressure drop, and we spent the last <laughs> ten minutes talking about Beaver Town. So back to you guys. Um, let's yeah. talk about this site then. So you've got five thousand square feet. You say the brewery um, mm-hmm. tap room, Habington tap room. Well, the tap room and the brewery are one and the same. We yep. we don't have a dedicated tap room space. No. So on a Friday, we clear everything out of the yep. middle of the brewery and put the tables up and pull the bar into place. It's and like you got a, seating for what would you say? Uh, oh, oh, well, on a busy, on a busy summer's Saturday, if we have an event up here, there'll be we'll have six hundred, seven hundred people through, wow. through the door. Yeah, you know, that's they're not all having a seat, but we've no. got we've got plenty yep. plenty of tables so and plenty of space out the front. So you can pretty much spread out into most of the of, of the sort yeah. of the, the yeah. four area that we're looking at there. Yeah, pretty much catch a bit of sun before it goes down over nice. the, over the train station. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah we have a it's a nice vibe up here on a Saturday. Yeah, we have some music playing and some some food stalls mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, we get a lot of families and kids running around and dogs and dogs things like that. We get the full, yeah, get the yeah, full spectrum, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's good fun. How many taps you got? Uh, ten lines. Yep. Ten mm-hmm. lines, yeah. And food? You say you have a food truck typically or? Yeah, we well, that'll rotate. We'll, yeah. We could have anything, you know, hot dogs. We've got uh, we've got um, smoked brisket guys coming in for December. So they'll, oh. they'll be here for the next nice. three, three weeks on a Saturday, which yep. we're particularly excited about. Mm. Instagram, <laughs> looks, Instagram makes me hungry every time yeah, I look at it. So sounds uh, good. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. So, but just Friday, Saturdays, I mean, obviously, as you say, the fact that it's occupying production space in the brewery couldn't really be any yeah. other way, could it? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the limiting factor, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, just Saturdays in the winter because Fridays are getting kind of dark and cold and wet outside. So, yeah, Friday and Saturday. We, we might, we're thinking of doing Sundays as well next summer. Right. Okay. Um, because there's, you know, there's no. Yeah, once you've cleared away for, for Saturdays, you might as well. You might yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do that. But it, yeah, it's definitely an extra. Good little boost to have a tap room, you know, some people coming in on a weekend and definitely you know, enjoying yeah. that. And of course, you know, it's great for like, well, it's built like up the local clientele, the local clientele. Yeah. and we've yeah. got you know another dozen breweries over in Walthamstow, which are yes. only, only probably a 10 15 minute walk, yeah, that's so, right, across the wetlands as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, and Beaver Town are open here, of course, yeah. and uh, 
Aura and Gravity Well uh, on this side of the river. So, yeah. yeah, there's lots of... If yeah, Aura's to, not far away either. If you want to go and drink not, yeah. 12 different breweries, this is a place to be. Yeah, that's know, right. Not need to walk know, more than about a mile. Bermondsey Beer Mile's old news now. You need to, <laughs> need to be up here. Nice. <laughs> yes, good point. Well made. Um, and we, we mentioned them in passing already, but you know, until a couple of months ago, you also had uh, the experiment, which is a, a, a collab tap room with Verdant. That was wonderful. Um, I've actually been there... Uh, significantly more than I've been to this site actually right, yeah, um, yeah. you know we used to used to often you know include that on our sort of uh, yeah. London taproom crawls because uh, you know fairly close to the overground there so quite easy to get in and out of um, sorry to see it go I mean I, you know I, I know as I chatted to James a few weeks ago from Verdon it was you know it was a, a lease issue rather than a business decision to shut it mm. down um, but you know I guess any sign of anything else like that cropping up I mean we'd never say never uh, yeah you know it was great we didn't want to shutter the doors on that at all but um yeah just the 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 pressure to 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 increase the rent on those from the from the guys from the, who, from the guys company, who now yeah. own the the what is essentially a railway net network asset you know yeah yeah it switched from uh, from you know please look after this railway arch and you know we don't need to charge too much rent to yeah oh i think we can charge retail level you know rates and rents yeah. for you here even though we won't provide street lighting or street cleaning or do any part of our, our half of the deal so yeah um yeah it's a shame we try we, we spent months trying to negotiate something and, and and avoid having to do that um but yeah it had to be done unfortunately yeah uh but we look back on it kind of pretty pretty fondly because it was five years it was not really been done before as far as I know no. two, two breweries sharing a, a tap room like that and it was great and it there was really fun times there and you know it was closed up you know nobody fell out nobody was owed any money and no. we, I think if we'd if you'd asked us would we have been happy with that when we opened it I think we would you know, right you know, so. um, you know because it was open more than just Friday, Saturday. I don't recall what were the opening days. Wednesday, was it Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday, yeah. Sunday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. presumably you were selling more beer through there than you were through your own tap room or comparable. Yeah, well, that was more yeah. like a full time bar. Yeah, you know? and um, yeah, like you say, it's slightly further into into the centre of London. So there, there was a probably a slightly busier local, right? You know, kind of pub scene. Yeah, I guess yeah. you know. Um, yeah, so you must have been missing that revenue. Um, uh, well, yeah, yeah, but the costs had got up so had high, that, you know, oh, okay, to, so, to heat yeah. the place. To, yeah. You know, the rent it wasn't the first rent rise we'd had there. No. You know, and um, uh, you know, obviously, we, we took that decision knowing full well that we, we wouldn't have that revenue anymore. But right. um, yeah, it, but it was also taking a lot of time to run. Yeah, you know, it's not. It's run by myself and Sam here at the brewery on top of running the brewery. So, right. You know, um, so I mean, there was an element of like, you know, we need to kind of concentrate a little bit on the brewery I mean my mind was slightly boggled doing a bit of research for this this week that you're only eight staff Uh, I mean that that is just ridiculous considering how long you've been going and how well known you are that's you know yeah yeah it just doesn't it's hard to fathom really Um, you know I guess it's the efficiency and the you know the the, the the amount of hard work you guys are doing, but it, to to be able to to have established this brand and, and got it, you know, the, the recognition you have with with just eight staff. Yeah, we we hear that quite a bit when people come up here for the first time. You know, I think yeah, we try and have a kind of do-it-yourself ethos. You know, so we kind of you know we have do our design in-house and right. You know, try to cover everything ourselves. You know, because we can be responsible for the for the product entirely at yeah. that point. You know, and. But we also don't have uh, grand ambitions to be a huge business. No, you know. Um, so, 
this was always the, the plan to be at this size and yeah. pretty much stay at this size, to be honest. Yeah. You know, we just, we're, we're fortunate in that everyone who worked, all the eight, uh, nine people who work here are kind of beer enthusiasts right. on top of working here. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's what, that's how we can be focused on the product, I guess. Yeah. You know, and enjoy. It's not what just a do. job for that, for any of those people, I'm sure, is it? I don't they, think so. No. No, no, they tell me it's not anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so we love talking about beers after we finish working. Yep. We love sharing beers. We mm. love, you know, going to try new places and visit other breweries. Right. And so it's it's very much a, like, not a lifestyle, you know, but a, it's a, it's more than just a job for all of us. Yep. You know, we, and that makes it kind of nice to be here and yep. relaxed. And we, we're not kind of, you know, driving anyone to work. 10 hour 12 hour days or no like that, well that's you know? good so so yeah our focus has always been let's just be a good business be a good employer yeah try and have a nice life mm-hmm. you know we do the four day week now i've been doing that for 18 months oh brilliant yeah um, and that's working really well fantastic so um, which which do you, you stagger it do you so you still start five days or, or yeah we you, still yeah. operate five yeah. days uh, depending on what the roles are brilliant we'll stagger it across that's really know? nice so we we have uh, production guys work either a Monday to Thursday or a Tuesday to Friday and yeah. then swap those around so yeah. that we can do all our production in a week. Mm. Monday's our setup day, Friday's our close down day. Um, yeah, and it works really well. Perfect, yeah. yeah. It's nice. Oh, great. So, there's a few, a handful of UK breweries doing that. But it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I always love to hear about it when, when I come across one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been good fun. We had a lot of support. We did it with um, an organisation called Four Day Global. Right. As part of a yeah. kind of monitored trial, six month trial. Nice. Last year with 50 other companies. Yeah. So they were measuring us and surveying all the staff and measuring our productivity and things like that. And we had a lot of support from them. So yeah. if, if we had, you know, there are little things that crop up that you don't expect to, to deal with and to have them on the hand to be kind of uh, what do we do in this situation you yes know, well we've come across this you know, yeah he's doing it for 20 years you know, that, yeah. so, you know things like when you hire a new person do you put them straight on a four-day week or do they need to do five days for a period you yeah know, to shadow the, the whole like team I suppose. yeah yeah uh, and because um we have quite a low turnover of staff yeah people stay here for quite a long time it means that we're pretty efficient about how we do our jobs you know right and to be able to say to them Look, guys, we want to do a four-day week. Tell me how to do your job in four days rather than five. You yeah. Know? And they, they obviously know their job very well because yep. they've been doing it for years, you know. Yeah. So it's a very much a like, you know, I didn't, it's not Sam and I telling them how to do it. It's no. How, how can we do this, you know. And they were great. They were full of new ideas and ways to improve things, you know. Yep. And the, I think it was just healthy for a, a business to do that mm. under the, uh, you know, under the excuse of doing a four-day week. But yeah. Yeah, um, it's good. I'm sure it is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You yeah. sort of, you know, you captured everybody's job descriptions. I'm sure, and you know, and and, and sort of yeah. really scrutinise the way that everybody's working for maximum efficiency. Yeah, yeah. That, that, you know, it, and every business could do with doing that. Yeah, yeah. and you bring, come together as a team to achieve mm. the four day week. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, and talking yeah. about you know length of tenure, you know, there's nothing better to, to lock people into a company than a four day week. I'm sure <laughs> because no, nobody's going to leave you know that situation lightly and go back to a five day week, are they? Well, yeah, I wouldn't use the term "lock them in," but no, in the best possible sense, you know. It's yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's a competitive world. You yeah, know? it is. Um, yeah, you know, to, to have skills and yeah. have, have good brewers and have people absolutely who can do marketing and sales and 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 really put every effort into into doing that for your company is yeah. like, there are not many people like that. So um, we're very fortunate to have all of those people, mm-hmm. and uh, and we try and make sure they're happy here and comfortable. So. Definitely. Yeah, so you've been working so far anyway. Great to hear. Yeah. Ben, let's take a short break. 
Beer Passport 2024 is a pocket-sized guide to 70 brewery taprooms across London, allowing you to explore the city's thriving craft beer scene, discover exciting new breweries and drink delicious beer. It includes some of London's biggest and best breweries and offers over £350 worth of savings. So put Beer Passport right at the top of your Christmas list. Head to beerpassport.co.uk to grab yours and use the code THISWEEK20 for 20% off before Christmas. I'm back with Ben from Pressure Drop for the second half of the show. Ben, at this stage every week, I think you know what's coming. I like to put the guest on the spot and ask, it's probably the only tricky question I ask any guest on this podcast, to be honest with you, and that is what makes you different? What is it you're doing at Pressure Drop to stand out in the relatively crowded London craft beer scene? Yeah, that is a tricky question. Thanks, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, we're not trying to be different, I don't think, in... You know what we what we make or um, how we approach brewing. I think you know, we you know I can't say we're focused on making excellent beer because all breweries are focused on making excellent beer. Well, most of them. Um, I think we are just kind of comfortable in our skin. I guess I think we are happy being relatively small and remaining relatively small and and being a you know a, a fun place to to work and right. an enjoyable place to work and. And if people drink our beer and come along for the journey with us, that's that's what we're happy with. Yeah. So I think, you know, not to say we're not ambitious, but you know, we we're kind of happy as yeah. we are. You know, and and you come to win your skin. I think you've you've certainly you know you've you've established a, an excellent reputation. I think, and you know, you, you say you're not really trying to push the production capacity mm. uh, as far as I can see uh, from no, what you've said, definitely. which is great and fine, and you know, and, and fully respect. It. It's unusual. Mm. Most breweries have got some sort of ambition to to you know, to grow and not necessarily take over the world, but you know, find room for another tank and then another tank and another tank, and it seems like you've got that just generates more problems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't. We don't. I don't. We don't want to be in a fight with big multinationals, no. large no, no. brewers. You know, we're just not geared up for that. And I guess we want to prove that it's possible to not chase continual growth. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And and, and it shouldn't be no. necessary. For every business to do that, so, no. You know, we'd be quite, we're quite happy if, in that, another yeah. ten years' time, we're of a similar size with a similar number of people, yeah. and we're still enjoying making beer, and people are still seeking our beer out and yeah. talking favourably about it. I think that would we'd be happy with that. Yeah. Um, so that is probably what sets us apart most from most from other brewers. Not yeah. Not entirely. I think entirely, it, that, I, I, I think it significantly sets you apart. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really interesting and. Uh, yeah, I think refreshing perspective. Um, uh, it, it, funny, so just just last week, um, I've not even published the episode yet. It goes out on Monday. I, I had Jack uh, from Barron, um, who's a one-man band, you know, mm. brewing amazing beers. I, I'm really excited about what he's doing there. Yeah, he's a great um, guy. Great and guy. he um, his perspective on this was not that he wants to make much more beer, actually, but he wants to try and figure out how to sell it more profitably, um, which basically means selling it more direct, you know, mm. selling more more direct cans from from his web shop and selling more you know, draft beers from his you know, tap room and you know and, and sort of trying to develop that and so I guess that's not even something you're thinking about you know you seem to have a sort of you know a happy balance between selling a bit of draft beer and you know and uh, you know th- from your own uh, premises but but mostly you're selling through distribution kegs and cans and you know that you're comfortable even with that side of things yeah I mean you know let's remains to be seen whether it's possible to do to do that yeah you know, um you know, we have the tap room, and we, you know, we, we had the experiment as well, and we, you know, we mm-hmm. don't have that now. So, you know, I'm not saying we wouldn't ever do more direct retail, right? Um, 
but we can we could, didn't kind of get into it to run bars you know it's a completely no, different business it really and, is, and you yeah. have to be you have to you're going to do that i think you have to be focused on it and dedicated to it and do it properly yeah you know because that's probably an even more competitive industry these days than than brewing is you sure. know um there's all, all manner of excellent pub operators in london you know so yeah I, you know i wouldn't rule out that in the future but it would be nice if it would be possible to be a small sustainable wholesale focused brewer yes you know yeah you know and i think guys like the colonel have kind of proven it's possible yeah you know but you have to make really good beer and be, yes. and be dependable and reliable for that and known for that, yep. you know, like they are. So, yeah, um, that's that's what we're going to focus on anyway. Right. See, see how it goes. Love it. Yeah. Let's talk about this beer, Ben. So <laughs> this is Fine Forecast. 4.8% New England Pale. And uh, the tasting notes say, Over the hills and far away, a tropical taste sensation awaits. Fair weather or foul, you're in for a treat. Tasty notes, sunshine, melon, and mango. I love that. Uh, and it's just hopped with HBC 586. This is delicious. Uh, you know, it's, I think that word sunshine really does sum it up extremely well. It's, it's really singing, you know, with punchy fruit flavours. Beautiful look to it in the glass. It's, uh, you know, on a sunny day, as we've got here, luckily. Uh, <laughs> first time in a while. Yeah. It, it, just a, a beautiful beer. Uh, and this, is, a, I think, is a classic uh, pressure drop beer as well, isn't it? You know, you, you, you for a, for a long time you've really excelled at these these sort of four to five percent pails, and you know that's it's almost like the market's coming to meet you in some respects with that because you know two or three years ago it was you know a bit of an ABV arms race going on, everybody was saying no sort of seven eight oh no we need tippers now, <laughs> you know, and you guys were still smashing out these brilliant four and five percent pails, and you know yeah, good for you. Um, I think you know you've you've kind of had the last laugh in that respect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tippers, yeah. They didn't last very long, yeah. did they, tippers? Um, yeah. Uh, so this one is, yeah, what I'm really happy with at the moment. So we do a, we you know we do a core range of beers. We do uh, Pale Fire and yep. King Queen Navy on a regular basis. Yeah. And we're probably going to add one or two to them next year as well. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, we have the most fun with you know trying new hops out, uh, trying new ingredients. Mm -hmm. We don't we don't do extreme range of styles. You know we yeah we found a kind of like you said a, a New England Pale. Four or five percent works really well, mm. really popular, um, and we can do them as new beers and try different hot combinations. And this one is yeah five eight six, which rumored to be given a name next year. So that's yes. But I weirdly enough, I was lucky enough to go out to uh, Yakima in twenty eighteen with um, Bath Haas for, oh, the, yeah. for the hop harvest, mm -hmm. and they had they had an array of they'd brewed some you know, pilot batches of beers. And they had an array of different numbers on these right. single hop pails, and I remember. I remember trying one thinking, oh, that's really good. I'll take a photo of that. And it would turn out it was 586. Oh, okay. So it gives you an idea of how long these hops are yes. taking to yeah. come to market. I mean, it's not new in the UK this year. We've been using this hop for a few years. But the first time we opened the bag, we were like, this is mm. interesting. This has got potential, you know. Um, and we've, been, we've used it as a, a pairing in a couple of beers. We did a beer for Indie Man a couple of years back mm. with 586 as well. Um but yeah, this New Year's crop was was really impactful, and we thought I think we can probably stand this up as a single hop. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure I've had it as a single hop. Yeah, uh, before yeah. and perhaps I have, but um, it, it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's got, got a, it's got a bit of a, a mosaic type mm. of aroma to it, doesn't it? It's a nice blend of that kind of you know, yeah, like you say, slightly dank mosaic mm. character in it, but with some tropical top notes mm. as well. And it just yeah, so it kind of sings out the glass, you know. Mm. And um, yeah, it's a beautiful beer, I think, and we're really proud of that one. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Um, let's move on to talk about 
plans for pressure drop? I don't know, you know, it's sort of like, you've, it, to some extent, you've said, oh, you know, nothing's going to change. We, you know, we've, we've found our lane and we know what we're doing. But, you know, you, we, how do you look at 2024 for, for pressure drop then in terms of uh, outlook? Yeah, well, it, um, you know, this this year's been pretty tough in, in the industry. You yeah. Know? Well, not no, just, we, not yeah, just well, this year. Well, but, um, but particularly this year, we've lost some pretty big names. Particularly this year, yeah. You know, it's been hard work, I think, for everyone, you know, and, uh, and I'm, we're bracing ourselves for next year being similar hard work yeah. I think you know um, we'll get through it of course and but um, yeah so I think our, we, you know we're mainly focused on maintaining maintaining the sales we've got you know keeping them going and, and trying to interest more people in, mm-hmm. in our beers mm-hmm. and uh, extending our reputation I guess um, for making quality beers so yeah that makes sense. No, absolutely. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we're going to do anything too risky just because, um, yeah, we, do, we remain to be seeing what happens yeah. in the market. I think, yeah. you know, but I think, unfortunately, there are still going to be further closures yeah. next year. Oh, I'm, I'm sure there is, inevitable. yeah. Absolutely. Um, the cost pressures are still pretty high for yeah. brewers. They've come down slightly. Energy has obviously massively improved. Yeah. But the, the cost of living crisis is probably affecting... Um, well, it's a, so, the spending power of, of, of consumers, absolutely. Yeah, yeah which is a, yeah. So we need we need that to be kind of relieved a little bit, yeah. I think, and then hopefully the, we can get back into that into a new growth phase for the industry, and, and uh, yeah. we can we can start to take a few more risks as business owners and and uh, you know open more bars, like you say. So that would that would like that. that's what that would look like for pressure drop. Is it would would be another another retail outlet potentially? You know, well, yeah, potentially, when the time's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we're looking at that anytime soon. No. But, um, you know, I kind of I, I agree with Jack at Baron. You know, that's the future for small brewers. I think probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, we'll see how it goes. In terms of festivals for 2024, have you got anything in the calendar already, or anything you're excited um, about? I think we've been invited to the Beak Festival again. Nice. Which yeah. is, you know, real become a real highlight of the calendar. Yes. You yeah. know, they do such a great job with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we normally, you know, because we don't have an events team or anything you know the guys here need to attend the festival so we normally pick you know, two or three really good ones yeah but you can't be doing every week you can't be can doing you every no. single one you know no. they, they might look like fun but <laughs> and they are fun but if, if you're doing like four oh, in a row oh. in the middle of summer you're, yeah, you're exhausted that, that, that you know? soon wears out yeah. absolutely exhausted yeah. so yeah hopefully there'll be a few more you know festivals are a difficult run these the last few years as well you know yeah. it's a highly risky operation for these guys so um anyone who's prepared to take that risk you know hats off yeah. to them it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a lot of work yeah for oft, often a risky a risky thing to do yeah so, yeah in terms of your own events you you know you said you sort of you know it gets busy here in the summer do you actually have some some sort of set piece events of your own or yeah we normally uh we don't have a massive strategy for it but we normally try and do a few festivals uh like mini festivals yeah so we've done one here before with um three new breweries we did that probably a couple of years ago now which mm-hmm. is really good you know, a good way to kind of make friends and, yeah. and build that kind of industry rapport. Uh, we've got a few things lined up next year, uh, which I probably can't tell you about yet. Fair enough. But um, <laughs> there'll be some collaborations, you know, with different industries, which we're looking forward to doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully we'll have a nice hot summer. You know, it was a bit of a, yeah, bit of a tricky a good, one this it year. It wasn't so good this last year, was it? We, well, yeah. I think we're getting, you know, we've got high expectations now, don't we, of, of sort of endless hot summer days, and it's yeah. never really arrived no. in 2023. Yeah, you have two or three, and then it's cold and wet for Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, we 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 kind of carry on as we were, really, and, yep. see, and see how things, hopefully things start picking up. Right. Yeah. What uh, about beer releases? What have you got 
uh, you're excited about that's in tank ready to package or just been packaged? Yeah, um, probably most excited about uh, Burning Sky Colab we did oh, last nice. week. So yeah. that's, uh, that's bubbling away this morning, actually. So, yeah, we're really... Can you tell what, what you brew? That's going to be a West Coast type. Okay. Yeah, but Perfect. using some of the techniques that they use. Yeah. So, we, yeah, it's great to have Mark Tranter up here for mm. the day. Um, we learned lots from him and, uh, yeah, the, the, you know, we still... If we do a collab, we really do try and make it a collab, you know, and try and... Uh, share some knowledge and share some techniques uh, sure yeah uh, in the early days that was very easy because everyone was developing these beers new england styles and uh, yep. new things to share but it's kind of as we've got better and better at it and as an industry you know yeah uh, we, we, fi- we find it's those gains are more and more marginal right you know, um, that makes sense yeah. but uh, there's still lots to be shared and lots to be learned mm. and, and just hanging out for the day you know you end up talking and supporting each other yep <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe drinking a beer or two as well. we're drinking a beer or two at the same time yeah, yeah. and we you know we, we feel it's important we do our bit to maintain that camaraderie between yeah. between breweries you know and try and keep that it's a very special aspect of this industry isn't it it's, yeah it's yeah uh, and you know we need to make sure, worth we, holding make sure we keep that going yeah. because it will help us all along mm-hmm. the way so yeah um what else have we got Got any festival, or rather festive specials, I was going to say. So, you know, have you got any any, any stouts or, or whatever coming up? That, uh, We've got a... Barrel-aged? Um, yeah, we're doing a um, chocolate raspberry coconut stout. That'll be out in the new year, though. Okay. Um, so everything that's out for Christmas is pretty much released now. Yeah. There's nothing too crazy there. And then over, over Christmas and New Year, we always do a couple of tanks of lager because it's the time of year we can afford to have stuff, la- stuff lager sitting, in sitting for that period of time, yeah. Uh, so yeah. we're bringing back our super light... Um, which is a, a rice lager. Okay. Yeah. Which is one a favourite of the brewers. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, <laughs> we get to do that very often, and and it's just a beautiful spring beer. Nice. Um, yeah. And I think we're going to do a Vienna lager as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we bring back uh, Alligator Tugboat, which is our Simcoe IPA with the Sweet Tooth uh, Street Art on it. Nice. Which is always popular. Yeah. Yeah, because it just looks so cool. Mm. Um, so yeah, we've been we've been enjoying kind of. Um, tweaking our west coast recipes a little bit right you know, i feel like we've the new england stuff we, we we've got it where we want it yeah happy with it uh we spent a lot of time uh, fine-tuning recipes for west coast this yeah. year so and um, we're really excited that I, I think west coast ipas have really evolved this year um yeah. and you know it towards my preference actually because i you know I, i'm not a bit fan of bitterness well no actually the other way around i was gonna oh, say right, so, okay. so i'm not a fan of of west coast ipas that sort of you know, pucker your face because they're so bitter mm. um but I've, i found west coast ipas this year are, are getting fruitier and, and maybe just a touch sweeter that that you know brings them more into my sort of palate preference yeah we, we were doing a, a series we're calling them california ipas right earlier yeah. this year which was with that aim you know yeah that they're not too bitter and they're, they're kind of a a little bit kind of fruity topical drop notes that you're getting yes. in New England, but yeah, yeah. but with some some, some proper bitterness. Yeah, in there and they were well. great. They were yeah. great. Um, but there's definitely a little bit. Uh, we're sensing a little bit of like return to we want a bit of business. I'm sure hardcore beers, you know. West Coast IPA fans are really cross about the way it's gone this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they've, they've had a bad few years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there's definitely a little bit of resurgence in that. So. Um, oh. Yeah, this burning sky is going to be kind of 30, 40 IBUs. So okay. Yeah, let's get it, you know, much more traditional kind of yeah. thickness. We even put, you know, a little tiny sprinkling of crystal malt in there. Oh, so, okay. you know, going back to 2013. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but nice. then, we, you know, we make Bosco our kind of copper coloured West Coast yeah. beer, have done every year. Um, yeah. And that's always popular beer. So nice. I think yeah. there's always been an underlying demand for that kind of thing. Yeah. 
um, it's just there's a bit feels like there's a bit of a fight back against New England. Yeah, you know, which is good. Which is good. <laughs> well, there needs it probably needs to be, but you know, I, I think it's I don't know what percentage of the of the market as a whole it is, but it's pretty substantial, isn't it? And so you know, it's not yeah. go, it's not going away. No, 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 no. But it's nice to test yourself in yeah. different different techniques, sure. um, different different methods. So yeah, that's still what we're enjoying. You know, developing our beers, thinking yeah. about what we're going to brew and. You know, we might do some kind of uh, lemon rattlers, things like that for the yeah, spring. You know, sure. We're always thinking six months ahead. Yeah. Which is nice when it's a miserable day and you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're imagining what you're going to be drinking yeah, yeah. in the spring, you uh, know, in the summer. Yeah. So That's a nice thought. Yeah. yeah. What, what sort of cadence of new releases do you have? This year, I think we've probably done about 30 something new beers this okay. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of. Um, Decent, yeah, three a month. Or yeah. Again, yeah, we might, yeah. We might tune that down a little bit. Um, there's still a. People are still interested in new stuff yeah and, and focus that and, and we have people who buy our beers every Friday when we release them right nice. uh, but there is a bit of uh, maybe a bit less extreme interest in it than there used to be right you know? um, oh definitely yeah we, I think we, that's fair there'd be days when we would make a new double IPA New England IPA and that'd be sold out that day oh you know, and that's not necessarily happening no. now. Wow. So there's so we might fine tune that down a little bit and do, yeah. do a few more returning beers, okay. core beers. Yeah. Pale fires are probably fifty percent of what we make. Yeah, um, we think there's probably potential to do a bit more than that mm-hmm. with that beer next year. Yeah, so hopefully you'll see pale fire on more bars. Well, that's and obviously is the goal, the isn't it? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's the best place for people to get their hands on some pressure drop cans? Then? Um, well, we the web shop's open. We'll uh, release new releases every Friday, mm-hmm. and we do next day shipping, free next day shipping on that. Nice. Uh, so that's popular. Um, yep. In London, if you're fortunate enough to be around some of the excellent bottle shops, such as uh, Clapton Craft or yep. Ghostwell, um, yeah, guys like that, Hotburns and Black, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I'd love to live near one of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those are three yeah. great names. Yeah, yeah, Caps and Taps, people like that. Yeah, um, they're all stocking up here on a regular basis. Thanks for the support, guys. What about finding um, keg beer or no, draft beer for in London? Yeah, draft beer. Um, best place to look. The best place, and in my opinion, the best pub is the Cheshire Arms. Okay. Which is a stone's throw from the experiment, in fact. But, yeah. Um, yeah, they've had our pale fire on there for years now, and it's just a lovely pub. It's nice. Uh, it's an asset of community value. Mm-hmm. It's supported by the community. It serves everything from Guinness to pale fire, everything in between. Nice. Uh, it's got a lovely beer garden. Uh, Would they usually often have other uh, keg beers as well? Or yeah, or they'll have other yeah. keg beers, yeah. 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 Uh, of yours, I mean. Yeah, occasionally. Yeah. yeah, mainly pale fire, but yes, they would. Yeah. They occasionally take specials. Nice. Uh, it's okay. just got a lovely. It's not. It's not super craft. It's not super trad. It's no. A, it's catering for everyone. That's a balance. Yeah. You can yeah. have a yard sale pizza there. <laughs> um, the North Star in Leighton. Um, yeah. Seven pale fire at the moment as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited to get up to the Brave Sir Robin in Crouch Hill, which right. has just reopened. Yeah. Um, under new management, and it's going to be a really great pub. So mm-hmm. I'll be in there. Right, Ben, so we are at the wrap-up questions, and here I'd like to start by asking you to give what I call a shout-out to a little guy. Now, you've already partially covered that with your previous answer, but what I'd like you to do, uh, perhaps, is to rack your brains still further and give me one or two examples of local-to-you beer businesses that you think are doing a great job promoting independent craft beer. So that can be another brewery, a tap room, a pub, a bottle shop, even a restaurant or a cafe, but somebody's doing a great job promoting independent craft beer. Yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna shout out to a little place in Hartford East train station, believe it or not, called Mind the Gap, which is a uh, they sell more than craft beer, but um, run by Ray and his dad, and they come down and they 
pick up the beer from the brewery every week and they've always got a great story and they're just great guys fantastic and, uh, they're up there offering the commuters of Hertfordshire such a great range of beers and I could just imagine getting off a train after a weary day's work oh yes going to chat to them and picking up a nice beer finding fridges full of wonder yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just it's just everything that kind of the, the craft beer should be so uh, shout out to those guys and more more Good craft beer and train stations, please. Definitely. Let's see that happen, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like uh, to see it in the Chancellor's autumn statement somehow, just to... to yeah, that would have been that. nice. Yeah. It would have been nice. Yeah. <laughs> Some kind of tax break, yeah. Yeah. Um, and brewers, I think um, the guys at Gravity Well are just making great yes. beers. Yes, um, I think their beers are brilliant. Uh, we got to know them a couple of years back when we uh, did a collab beer with them, and they, they're neighbours of ours now in Tottenham, um, and they're just making great beer and having such fun with it and uh, you know doing it for all the right reasons. Um, so yeah they're my shout outs good shouts indeed yeah thank you very much for that uh, well Ben we're at the uh, wrap up question and here I need you to tell me what would be your ultimate happy hour three parts to this question where would you be who would you be with and specifically what beer would you be drinking and just one qualifier is the beer doesn't necessarily need to be available at the venue so you can bring it with you perfectly chilled and ready to serve in this fantasy world <laughs> yeah they're very difficult questions, I think. <laughs> so, so many great places to be drinking beer. There are. Um, yeah. But uh, if I think back, you know, I've, um, some of the most memorable, magical places, I'd have to include Bamberg, um, a visit I went to there a few years back. Uh, just that, that town on the, on the riverside and those such beers with such character and, and, right. and just surrounded by so many great breweries. You yeah. know, that was would it be a great place to I'd love to go back to definitely um, but also you know I remember drinking uh, my kind of craft craft beer awakening was uh, drinking little creatures beer in Perth oh yes 10-12 years ago yeah um, with the sun blazing by the marina you know mm. just thinking you know this is what this is what independent brewing is all about yeah you know? um, so that I'd love to do that again but I also Grew up in Cornwall. Love to get back to Cornwall every summer, and right. you just can't beat a pint of tribute in great condition, right, on the coast path. Mm. You know, view out over the the blue seas of Cornwall. Yep. Great times. So I'll go for that one. There's something special about a beer that's earned as well, isn't there? You know, it's uh, having done that walk to get there. Is yeah. it that tastes, first one that lasts yeah. about well tw- twenty seconds? But that, yeah, that that's that's a special memory. And then, yeah, I, I think. That, that those are those are all good good choices in their own right. It's beer is is not just about the beer; it's about the circumstances and and the you know mm. the location and the situation. But I do need to press you, Ben. However, on who you'd be with. Well, you know, I'm a bit of an introvert, so I'll probably be on my own. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair enough. <laughs> I'm on my own here today. Well, at least I'm, I came here on my own, so yeah. that's fair enough. Nobody it's, to bother me. No, you can no, do no phone going off. That'd you can do some of your best drinking on your own. I think it's, it's <laughs> yeah. a very, very good point, well made. <laughs> well, look, Ben, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I've been a big fan of Pressure Drop since my earliest days in craft beer, and you know, I think you guys are, are refreshingly confident in in what you're doing you know with no you know huge growth plans or or you know intentions to to do anything other than continuing to brew elite beer and you know i think a lot of people in the uk appreciate you for that so you know i, I i'm quite sure that you're going to continue to thrive and very much looking forward to, to watching that happen so in the meantime thanks very much for everything you've done so far and will continue to do yeah you're very welcome thanks for coming up thank you
If you enjoyed the podcast, then please tell your drinking friends and leave us a review in your podcast app, as it really helps others discover the show. And of course, if you'd like to help support us and save money in the process, then please head over to www.thisweekincraft.beer and become a member today for just £1.99 a month and get access to exclusive savings at the top UK craft breweries. 